Hi, welcome back. We're the behaviorists and we are prejudiced against, against bad, bad behavior. behavior. And so, Kalinda, what are we talking about today? Okay, so you know we're the behaviorists, so there's that word behavior. So today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be unpacking behavior in terms of what should you stop, what should you start, and how do you actually do that. Today, since we're the behaviorists, we're going to be talking about behavior itself. What behaviors are working for you and what behaviors are not. So in a nutshell, it's all about stop, start, continue. Maybe you can tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, that's something that comes out of the corporate lexicon. And I think anybody who's been at a corporate workshop will know once you've had the introduction and done the exercise, then at the end, the facilitator says to you, okay, what are you going to stop, start or continue doing? And then you write it on your paper or you take the post-it and you go stick it up on the board. Always there's the, the risk that you watch, you listen, like when you read a book and you kind of learn, you gain information, but you don't actually then necessarily go and apply it and actually use it to transform or to change behavior. And so we want to make you aware of this stop, start, continue tool and invite you to always have that front of mind and be using it. So I guess that's very much where coaching and CBT align, don't they? And self-help, I guess, in general, mm. you know, that why do you buy a book? Why do you go and see somebody? Mm. Yeah, I think that's the key is translating everything that you learn into behavior. So, yeah, yeah, because I guess that's how you're going to have that different experience. Mm. You yeah. know, a lot of things seem theoretically very nice. So, you know, going to the gym, you'll be healthier. There's tons of research. And, we all know we should do it, yeah, but it's the doing it. And you'll fit into your summer clothes it's and all that stuff. It's the doing it that matters, yeah. Yeah, so if you yeah. don't translate it, then the behaviors carry on. Yeah. And I think there's also the unconscious behaviors that just carry on without us really stopping them or even being aware of them. Yeah. You know, yeah. screaming in traffic. Mm. And I think the classic one is the rescuer personality, where self-care is never done. And just giving, giving, giving is always done. And notice that's the problem, the always. And so when we do CBT, we always look for, you know, what are the indicators that somebody's changed or that this is actually working? Because otherwise, how do we know, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, people never pick this up because they always say, how do you know? And then I say, well, frequency and intensity. So mm -hmm. are problem behaviors less frequent and less intense? And are the desired behaviors, the ones that you set you know, as your goals, more frequent and more, maybe not more intense, but more comfortable? Mm -hmm. So with that person that you described, the person yeah. who's always helping others, the helper, what would be the stops and the starts okay. in that instance? So the classic is what you would be looking at there would be to start doing self-care. So what does that entail? The mm -hmm. dreaded saying no. So with the rescue personality, and I am a reformed version of that, so I know it's not always that easy to say no, mm. you know, because you can help somebody and maybe you feel you should, and there's so many reasons. So you've got to learn how to say no. Mm -hmm. So there's a stop and a start together. So, so, you say, so would you stop saying yes would be a good starting point? Yeah. Yeah, and that sounds like a whole lot of words, but mm. it would be start saying yes to self-care mm. and start thinking before you just say yes, yes, yes to the world. Mm. And so what you continue is being somebody who likes to help and who likes to be generous and a decent person in the world, sure. Mm. So that'll always carry on. That's going to be mm. you. Mm. But it's about, you know, subtle behaviors that you can stop and start. And I've had so many people come in here really excited saying, I actually requested I actually said, can you please help me with? And I didn't mm. die and there was no blood. 
And just as a sidebar, we were three kids in three years, um, my poor mother. And I remember very well that she used to say, you know, whenever there was the dreaded mom, because imagine three toddlers and then three teenagers later, and it was just the same. And she'd say, is there blood? And we'd look, no. Is anybody dead? No. And I think that's the key, isn't it? Mm. That, that the first time you say no, for example, mm. to anything, mm. you actually feel like you're going to die. Yeah. And maybe you can help us unpack mm. that a bit later, because I know you've mm. got some good thoughts on that. And so this is all about that you actually mm. request, can somebody help? And then they usually say, sure. And then you mm. think, why didn't I do that long ago? And then you've got to start receiving and mm. start the self-care. And that, that's mm. when it just takes mm. on a life of its own. Mm. You talked there about, you know, that you didn't die. So we've got the whole section on the red zone that we can talk about, which is when you change a behavior initially, that behavior gets set up because it's a survival mechanism when you learned it, you know behaving in the family environment as a kid was a life and death matter in your mind. Because if you got kicked out of the family, well, you couldn't survive, so you got to behave and fit in. And so when you learn that behavior, it is like that. And then later on, when you try to unlearn the behavior, your brain says, no, but this is necessary for my survival. And so it's always difficult. And the important thing, as we say in the red zone, teaching is that you, need, you must gather the evidence that you survived, firstly. And then think about, did it work or not? What different, better outcome did I experience? But firstly, just get through that first behavioral change. Stop saying yes or stop always having to be in control. You won't die if you're not in control of the situation. Or stop, having, stop being so critical because you, know, you won't die if there's a spelling mistake in the report. First, just treating it at that level. Then getting into recognizing what different better outcome did you experience so having uh you know i got people started respecting me more or you know i had a better relationship with my workforce because i'm not telling micromanaging them so gathering evidence mm -hmm. after you've made the change to see a that you survive and b what different better outcome i experienced is really an important part of the process for yourself right back to that example that's exactly it that you know, I let somebody else do something for themselves and actually they did mm. for a start, you know, so that they got to feel that mastery feeling. I got to stay in bed a bit longer or, mm. you know, not get up and do whatever it was. And I actually got to do self-care. So, mm. so those stop starts actually benefit you and others. And of course, at the other end as well, you mentioned the controlling. And so some people, it, it's even a step beyond, which is I can't be weak. Mm. And I encounter that quite a lot as well. Men and women, mm. we always give the guys the blame, but us girls, and you know, I can't be weak. And I just mm. absolutely can't be vulnerable. And when you actually decide to stop being this granite block and to be human, start being human, let yourself have a nap when you need it. You actually discover you're in a better mood. Everybody else enjoys you more and you didn't die mm. from actually mm. just mm. letting yourself not be strong. And mm. actually there's the swear word weak, you know, letting mm. yourself be weak or letting yourself do self-care, being selfish, mm. you know, that you started embracing more words mm. than you used to have. And mm. suddenly you're not as limited as you used to be. Yeah. And when you start out with changing a behavior, so in a moment we'll talk about how do you know what behavior to change. But when you start out with a change in the beginning, it never feels like you should be doing this. You can always gather enough evidence because when you learned that behavior, it was a survival mechanism. So you might recognize, oh, I need to change this behavior. I need to be less controlling. Or I need to stop trying to help people and, and be this crazy helper. 
However, when you take that step, when you actually try to change the behavior, then you start saying, no, 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 this isn't a good idea anymore. I don't feel like it. That part of your brain activates this, that wants to force you to go back to the other behavior. So like a simple example would be if you're trying to give up chocolate, for example, or coffee, and you kind of have the good intention, but as you try to stop having that next piece of chocolate, the thoughts start up in your mind. Oh, but it's just this one. Oh, but you need it for this. And, and so that narrative starts, it makes you want to go back to the behavior or not do the action. And what I think is useful there, I like to liken this to the person, the bungee jumper standing on the edge of the cliff. Well, you no longer think it's a good idea. You don't feel like it anymore. And yet you can still make the decision to jump. You can still take that action. And so what's important here is that you lead with the behavior. And then when you finish the behavior, you gather evidence that helps you then to do it again the next time. And you pay less attention to the internal narrative, the thoughts and feelings that are going on. So recognizing that the ability to act is independent of the thoughts and feelings. You can lead with the action, just make a decision like Bruce Fordas, who said, you know, when he used to train, he would run to the second lamppost before he decided whether or not he was gonna run that day. And so you lead with the action and then let the mind and the thoughts follow rather than trying to wait for the thoughts and feelings to catch up and be in alignment with the decision. Everything has to be perfect. Now I can act. No, it probably won't happen that way. And mm. I really like that sentence, you know, lead with the behavior. Because think about how often say, well, let's use exercise, because I think it's chocolates, coffee, exercise. Those are the pain points, aren't they? Mm. So, you know, you're sitting at home and now you need to go and exercise, go for a run or go for the walk or go to the gym. And so you're thinking up all the reasons why this is challenging, problematic, it's too this or too little that, you know, we know this, we know this, I'm sure it's not just me. And so if you let this yak yak carry on and let the feelings just be a wave and dissipate, because they'd all be there, mm. and yet you found your body mm. moving and changing and um, just finding yourself in the vehicle. Yeah, and that you know, comes back to what we learned in the flow state. You know, you have to start taking the action and then suddenly you find yourself in the flow state, washing the dishes or doing the garden or whatever it happens to be. And with these particular behaviors, which is, you know, stopping, controlling, criticizing, being overly helpful, etc. Same thing applies. You are going to encounter resistance and all the reasons why this is not a good time or you should not do this. And it's always beneficial to continue with the behavior, gather the evidence afterwards. So we have some very specific ones in, in our workshop that we say, you know, at the end go, uh, what is the event? What did I do differently? And what different better outcomes did I experience? And actually, you know, you can kind of keep a clipboard and actually write that down at the end of each day. And then you build a case for doing it again. And that's how you make the shift. So, so the behavior is pulling the thoughts yeah, and the narratives yeah, into yeah. some new space. Yeah. And of course it is like that, isn't it? Because if mm. you behave differently, I always think about assertion. You know, it's one of my favorite things that, mm. that if somebody say being passive all their lives mm. and they learn how to be assertive and they go and try it on, just a little one, little mm. small behavior, mm. baby mm. steps. And then they get a reaction, which is completely different, mm. or not a reaction, a response mm. that's completely different from the other person. Mm then they have a knock-on effect where they feel different. Mm. That person doesn't know that this is the first time mm. they've ever been mm. assertive. Mm. And it, it works like a bomb. Yeah. And then at the other end, the first time that you just let it go and you just decide, 
I actually don't need to make a thing of this. Mm. So the waiter brought this and actually I ordered that, but actually this looks pretty good mm. and I'm choosing to have it. And it, it's very interesting, isn't it? How mm. that behavior just sets up a whole new pattern. One caveat I have to say is very often when you try to make a behavior, the very first time you might get the response, which is exactly what you always feared. You know, so if I don't help the person, they're gonna get angry with me. And guess what? You stop helping and they get angry with you or you're a controller and you think if I don't control things, they won't work out right and you let things go and they crash. And, and so they end up, the situation ends up proving you right and then you tried it once and then you go back to the original behavior. And that's kind of that analogy. It's like a baby trying to walk. Gets up once, falls on his bumps, like oh, I'm stuffed with this walking thing, and then you sit and you know you, you never walk again. So the other thing is to kind of do it ten times, and then see if it's working six or seven or eight times. Hopefully, more than fifty percent of the time in your favor, significantly in your favor, rather than just the first time, and then g gathering the evidence it didn't work, and I'm going back to the way I was. Well, I see your caveat and I raise you CBT. Mm -hmm. So exactly that if you go too far and if you haven't thought quite strategically about what behavior you're going to change, if you're not going to do baby steps, so the baby decides I'm going to run, mm -hmm. you know, that's probably not a good idea. So what we would do with exactly to prevent that is you would look at a context and mm -hmm. you would look at, so say somebody's scared of public speaking. So, you know, the very big Congress is not the place mm, to mm. do your debut in getting up and doing a presentation. Mm, mm, exactly. So maybe you would think, okay, there's a small meeting with people I sort of know, mm. and you would start it there. And what we do here mm. at the sessions mm. is that we actually, we choose the new behavior and we rehearse it 20 mm. times mm. at the session. Okay. So this is how I'm gonna greet. Mm. This is how I'm gonna greet. This is how I'm going to greet because often mm. we don't. Mm. We don't rehearse the right mm. stuff. Yeah. And what we're doing with that is we're actually proving to ourselves, I can do this, first mm. of all. Mm. And it seems deceptively simple and stupid, yeah. Yeah. but it works because mm. that's that flywheel thing that yeah. starts the whole yeah. process. As we say in the practical mindfulness workshop, if what you don't do off practice off mm. the field, mm. you can't do on the field. And again, baby steps, you know, mm. you start small, but start. Identify what you want to stop and start. Make it realistic, you know. Mm. You're not going to mm. suddenly go to gym and do an hour every day if you haven't been for a year. Mm. But maybe you'll just put your gym clothes on and walk in and then mm. stay there for change 20 the minutes habit. and leave. Yeah. So this is how we change the habits, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So now we're talking about behaviors, 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 on the field, off the field, stopping, starting. And, you know, I guess at gut level, we often do have some idea of the kind of behaviors we should be changing. But, but just to help you and give you some clues, mm. let, let's talk about that, I think. You know, mm. how do you know what behaviors mm. are not working mm. for you, what mm. you should be mm. changing? Mm. Well, I think you gave some clues to it earlier, and that is, uh, you know, where you are feeling less than satisfied or frustrated in life, there's probably something that you're doing, even if you're blaming other people for it, there might be something that you're doing that is a behavioral, because, you know, you, your behavior, you get feedback from the world. Mm. So. I've given the example before, if you want to get a smile, well, smile at people. So if you're getting people uh, underperforming all the time, could it be that you're micromanaging or uh, being too critical? You know, so is there something in your behavior that's causing you to get that response from the world? So your areas of frustration might be an indication of it's not the world that needs to change. It may be some behavior of mine that I could adapt and I would start getting a better response from the world. 
Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. So I guess that would be both factors, which would be getting feedback and actually being open to getting that feedback because mm -hmm. we're not always so good at that. Mm -hmm. And just looking where consistently, I always think, you know, where are you too much of or too little of? Mm -hmm. And then what you were saying earlier, that dissatisfaction, you know, mm -hmm. it's not a nice feeling, it's uncomfortable. You leave an interaction always feeling I should have more or less. Mm -hmm. And what you emphasize there is the feedback aspect. So yes, if you're getting feedback from the world that you're too critical or too stubborn or too controlling or too helpful and therefore never getting your own stuff done or not looking after yourself, it's probably worth taking heed of that and actually trying it out a little bit. Try it out as a behavior and see what different experience you get. Try, you know, check that you do survive. It's not the end of the world. Our automatic response when we get feedback, I always joke and say, we can't talk about you when you're in the room. We can talk about other people. And then when it's me, suddenly I'm, I just automatically defend. And it's quite useful to be able to take feedback and say, okay, it doesn't mean that I now have to completely drop my standards or completely change to the opposite. No, we're not, you know, that's often the fear. And it's about becoming flexible. I, I like to use the analogy of the tree in the wind. You know, trees are strong. They stand for hundreds of years and part of their strength is their flexibility. When the wind comes, they can move with it. And that's part of what enables them to survive. Buildings are built skyscrapers with flexible steel so they can flex in the wind and earth movements. And so when you start to take feedback, you do the stop start, you're just increasing the range of flexibility of your behavioral responses rather than having to now become the opposite or now become a vegetable or whatever it is that you fear. I think that's such a good point because if you've had one setting, you know, I always say yes to the following or I'm mm. known as the person mm. who always completes everything perfectly, mm. you know, that kind of thing, mm. or I never ever make a mistake, then the, those absolutes come in. Mm. It's a both and, that, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to not stop and start everything and remake you, mm. and not at all. You, you're just going to pick one or two things that would yeah. enhance you and yeah. your experience yeah. and certainly mm. your behavior. Yeah, absolutely. So there we have it. Uh, stop, start, continue. Go and write it down and make sure that you actively look at that every day. Apply it to the things that you're learning about yourself. And if nobody's giving you feedback, scan the world and just ask yourself or scan your world and say, what could I do differently today? What could I stop, start, continue? Even if it's just as a test and start to develop that flexibility of behavior and maybe play your part in changing the world one behavior at a time.